brand new thinker ready Call down to Crazy Eddie The man who's got most everything A stereo sound His audio selection Will be with your perfection He's the man with all the lowest prices around So come on down and put it to the test See whose prices really are the best Who picks you up with a sound of picture plays And guarantee a smile upon your face when you think you're ready, down to Crazy Eddie, the man who's got most everything, a stereo sound. And so the story's told across the whole wide world, Crazy Eddie will not ever be undersold. Eddie Antar is back in the U.S. and will be spending his first day in New Jersey's Union County Jail. U.S. Marshals took Antar, better known as Crazy Eddie, to the federal courthouse in Newark for processing after he was extradited from Israel. Antar faces federal fraud charges now that his nearly three years on the run have come to an end. Eddie Antar disappeared back in February of 1990, charged along with two of his brothers and a cousin of stealing millions of dollars from the Crazy Eddie chain he founded. Antar fled to Israel where for nearly three years he tried to seek asylum. He was arrested there in June and was extradited to the U.S. Sunday. Antar returns to face federal fraud charges for allegedly cheating investors of more than $70 million. At its peak, there were 43 Crazy Eddie electronic stores, many right here in the metropolitan area, stores that were best known for their commercials touting insane prices. In early 1989, Sam finally learned from subpoena documents and testimony that Arnold Spindler and Abe Grinberg were providing false information to government investigators and covered up the involvement of Sam M. Antar, Mitchell Antar, Alan Antar, and Ben Couser. Sam passed along that information to Crazy Eddie. Soon thereafter, Crazy Eddie started to distance himself from Sam. Eventually, he told him, Sammy, you're on your own, and stopped all contact with him. On one side, Eddie Antar, his lifelong mentor, had abandoned Sam. On the other side, his uncle, Sam M. Antar, his cousins Mitchell, Alan, and Ben were setting him and Eddie up to take the fall for all the frauds at Crazy Eddie. Sam learned that Crazy Eddie had transferred most of his assets overseas and already obtained several phony passports. He was preparing to leave the country for good. Sam fired his old attorney and hired Anthony Matone to represent him in the criminal investigation and Jonathan Warner to represent him in the civil actions. On March 8th, 1989... Matone and Sam met with U.S. Attorney Dan Gibbons and two FBI investigators in an effort to negotiate a plea bargain agreement. In February of 1990, Crazy Eddie Antar skipped town altogether and fled the country. Meanwhile, Sam continued providing key information to government investigators. So at one point, I'd say then you eventually, like you said, you, you, you went to the feds. Yeah. And so you told them everything. Yeah. I went to the feds. Because Eddie was abandoning me and was moving all of his assets overseas. This is the guy that, you know, my mentor that sent me through college. Right, right. I also went to the feds because I'd gotten wind that other elements of the family had bribed certain witnesses to rat us out and exonerate them. So I had a problem whereby I'm left out there all along. I didn't, I was not a member of Eddie's immediate family. I did not make $100 million from the Fox 
like any of his immediate family did. I got a good right. salary and actually lost money. Well, here I am all alone and I have no other choice. I had three young kids and a lovely wife at the time. Right. Okay? Uh. And I had responsibility first and foremost for that. And also, I didn't want to end up in prison worrying about picking up a bar of soap and <laughs> worrying about who was going to be behind me when I picked up that bar of soap. Uh, you know, so I didn't make a moral decision. I didn't do it because of remorse for my crime. I didn't do it out of any sense of, of feeling sorry for what I had done. It was strictly a self-preservation uh, effort over here to avoid prison for my crime and to place the responsibility well, of course, I was taking responsibility myself, too, but also to place responsibility on people who actually made much, much more money than I did okay. and in the hopes of avoiding prison. Mm -hmm. And that's when I start to cooperate on March 8th of 1989. The problem was, as I, as I explained, is that the Fed had witnesses that they immunized, that they immunized, yeah. Yeah. that were pointing at me and Eddie, but exonerated certain elements of his family, like his father and his brother. And it took a while for the feds to get around that their witnesses that they had, that they thought were reliable, were lying to them, were selling them a bill of goods. Wow. For example, from 1969 to 1984, as a private company, Crazy Age was skimming. Those witnesses said nothing about that, okay, because that would bring down both sides of the Antar family, because most of the proceeds from that skimming ends up in secret bank accounts in Israel. So they say nothing about that. Okay, they don't talk about the fact that we gradually reduced our skimming from 1979 to 1984. They certainly don't talk about the fact that, we, that some of the family's money from the skimming before we went public ends up back in the company after we go public in the form of money laundering known as the Panama pump to inflate our income because that would bring down both sides of the family. So, you know, it's one thing to go to the feds and tell them all of this is going on, but it's another thing for them to go through the process and verify. You know, don't mm. trust, just verify. Right, right, right. That's true. And that's the thing <laughs> they had to do. So yeah. it was a process. So I started talking to the feds in 1989, and by, 19, and by, by 1991, 1992, they have enough information they actually offered me a plea bargain agreement where I plead guilty to two felonies and um, in return for testifying against the family. They also indict uh, some of the people that lied to them under oath that had previously exonerated various members of the family. And I become a government witness from, I become officially a government witness in the form that I have a plea bargain agreement in 1991. At about that time, Eddie's, uh, about that time, the SEC brings a civil case against Crazy Eddie, not a criminal case, a civil case against Crazy Eddie and members of the family, hmm. laying out this huge fraudulent scheme, and the judge has enough evidence that he can order Eddie to move his money that he moved overseas back into the United States in order for that money to be available to potential future creditors. Eddie rather than repatriate that money back into the United States, decides to skip flood, and that's when a judge issues an order to get Eddie arrested for contempt of court. So the initial arrest order on Eddie Anton in 1991 wasn't because he was indicted, it was because he disobeyed a federal judge and refused to put his money in the United States 
in the case where he would potentially lose a civil case with the Securities and Exchange Commission, be found liable for securities fraud. By 1993, two years later, Eddie is eventually indicted, along with other members of his family that were previously exonerated by other witnesses. So he had the whole family indicted, Eddie and his two brothers indicted in 1993. Some of his family were never indicted because they didn't have enough evidence to bring a criminal case. Um, in a criminal trial, 1993, Eddie is convicted, his brother Mitchell is convicted, and another brother, Alan, is uh, acquitted. However, Alan Anti called the, uh, the O.J. Simpson of security fraud. <laughs> O.J. Simpson beats the rap in a criminal case, but eventually comes liable in a civil case for murder. <laughs> Alan Antar, of course, didn't do murder. He did security fraud. So Alan Antar's latest suit by the SEC, along with Eddie's father, who was never indicted, and other members of the family who were never indicted, and loses a civil case with the SEC in 1998, and is found liable for security fraud. So either members of the Antar family go to jail for losing a criminal case, or... Uh, or become liable in a civil case for securities fraud. But at the end of the day, the Antars made about $95 million in the securities fraud. They end up paying out the government close to $100 million in disgorgement. The government takes away more money than they made off the securities fraud, in part because a lot of there was a lot of other fraudulent um, uh, endeavors that the Antars undertook, like income tax evasion, insurance fraud, Etc. Mm-hmm. And uh, the government actually collects from the Antos more money than they made off the securities fraud. What takes from the Antos? Look at that! Wow. So, um, what was the uh, what plea bargain did you strike to avoid, uh, you know, uh, prison time? I pled guilty to two felonies: uh, um, obstruction, uh, obstruction of justice, and conspiracy to commit uh, mail fraud. Eventually, I had, they added a third count. They asked me voluntarily to plead guilty to a third count. So I ended up being guilty of three felonies, obstruction of justice, uh, conspiracy to commit securities fraud, conspiracy to commit mail fraud. The reason for the third count was to help um, um, uh, to help move along the extradition process when they finally catch any of the fugitives in Israel. And uh, I had an exposure pleading guilty to three felonies. Uh, each felony is a five-year count. I had a theoretical exposure of 15 years. Under the sentencing guidelines, which was um, which was in place in those days, I had a fear, uh, had an exposure of 48 to about four, uh, approximately 48 months, four years. In other mm-hmm. words, most judges would have sentenced me to four years in prison. Mm-hmm. However, because of my exemplary cooperation with the feds, and I mm-hmm. use the word cooperation it's more like a shotgun wedding, because <laughs> I didn't go along really voluntarily. I only did it because save my own life. Right, exactly. Uh, because of that, I avoid prison altogether and get six months of house arrest. I also I pay about $30,000 in fines, which is the mere pit, considering I was involved in the massive fraud that, that, that cost investors over $500 million. Um, I get a complete walk on all civil liability from the, from the victims because the victims' lawyers needed me to cooperate so that they can you know, get as large money as possible from the Antars in this short period of time. So I ended up with only with six months of house arrest, 1,200 hours of community service, 30,000 fines, and no judgments against me for the crimes that I committed. In the eyes of the court, I've made complete restitution under the, under the law in the eyes of the court. Because the victims, uh, 
uh, did not, uh, the, the victims forgave any claims that they had against him. Okay, okay. And then Eddie, once he was caught and, and uh, extradited, what did he, uh, what sentence did he uh, receive? He, he eventually gets convicted, gets an eight-year sentence. The case gets overturned against Eddie and the other brother that was convicted uh, with him on a technicality. But Eddie and his brother, rather than risk retrial, they plead guilty. And Eddie gets an eight-year sentence, uh, minus two years time served, you know, waiting trial, etc. And the other brother, Mitchell, Ant- Mitchell Antar, gets a two-year sentence. And as I said, the other members of the family that either weren't indicted, uh, were sued, in the, uh, sued by the Securities and Exchange Commission in civil court, and they end up having to disgorge uh, pretty much all of their wealth. At least the, all of the wealth that they couldn't hide from the authorities. Wow, wow. And then after uh, Eddie got out of, of uh, prison, um, you know, uh, did you guys have contact? How soon? The, the only time I had contact with Eddie was when CNBC wanted to put us both on the air. Right. And we did this joint interview with Herb Greenberg. Uh, Jeff Coleman was the producer. He I saw that. Me. And it was like, um, let's put it this way, it wasn't a very, very nice uh, get-together with Eddie on the air. Um, Eddie lived his life out as a bitter person. As uh, He never really took full responsibility the crimes, or at least internalized it. Um, and um, eventually Eddie passes away in, 19, in 2016, I think it was, in, in uh, yeah, September 10th or 11th, 2016, about three years ago, Eddie passed away. Mm. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, um, so, and then uh, going back a little bit, I, I so when he got out of prison, though, I understand that he tried to make a comeback. He actually tried to to, to revamp the Crazy Eddie. Uh. Yeah, there were several attempts to revamp the Crazy Eddie business uh, by Eddie and then by Eddie and his nephews. I think it was two or three attempts, I'm not sure. It's kind of like this. Uh, imagine trying to revamp Bernie Madoff security. <laughs> yeah. That's... Or Enron, or Enron for that. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 name, the name is tainted. Because of the fraud, as it should be. Right. I remember the New York. Remember the New York Post contacted me. I heard they're bringing back the chain. What do you think? I said, Yeah, it's like bringing Bernie Madoff securities back to life. They try that. Look at that. Did he? Did he see any success with that at all? I mean, it was a complete loss. No. no the complete. No, no. Because the basis of the crazy Eddie business was fraud, income tax evasion, and later on securities fraud, and throughout the whole time. Uh, insurance fraud to a much, much lesser degree, but still significant. Right. So, you know, uh, to, to run a legitimate business, I don't think he was capable, or the model would really work in the legitimate business of discounting and beating everybody's price. And I said, the only reason why Crazy A's was allowed to remain competitive, at least as a private company, was the fact that he was stealing the sales tax off the top. Kind of like this. Why did the internet, why up until the recent Supreme Court decision, the internet companies have the competitive advantage over brick and mortar retailers. Simply said, the internet retailers weren't collecting sales tax and people weren't volunteering to pay their sales tax obligations to the state authority. Hmm. So the internet retailers had this huge advantage over brick and mortar retailers for many years. Well, Crazy Eddie's had that same advantage, except that you were collecting the sales tax, but using, using parts of it to subsidize on discounts to customers and the other parts of it to line our own pockets. Look at that. Look at that. And then I understand that um, uh, even some notable um, 
uh, law enforcement uh, figures, um, I guess, uh, for lack of a better word, ma- made a name off this case, right? If I understand Michael Chertoff, who eventually went on to become the uh, the Homeland Secretary, I believe, under Bush. Yeah, yeah. He'd be, uh, Michael Chertoff was the chief prosecutor in this case. Very, very formidable adversaries. And may say that, you know, he's a real prick, but in a good way. Um, um, I have a lot of respect for him, both as an adversary and lady cooperating with, with his probe of crazy. He was the U.S. attorney that that, uh, that ran the case, and um, he eventually became the Homeland Secretary under uh, George Bush. Uh, Chertoff was an excellent, excellent prosecutor, knew his stuff was a pitbull, uh, and as I said, a very formidable adversary, <laughs> an adversary I would respect. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, when you think you're ready, call down to Crazy Eddie, the man who's got most everything. Stereo sound, his audio selection, will be with your perfection. He's the man with all the lowest prices around. So come on down and put him to the test. See whose prices really are the best. He picks you up with the sound of picture plays. Guaranteed a smile upon your face. Oh, when you think you're ready, down to Crazy Eddie, the man who's got most everything in stereo sound. And so the story's told across the whole wide world. Crazy Eddie will not ever be undersold.